Welcome to All the Things with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and theology mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique. Hello, everyone, and welcome to All the Things. I am Monique Dusan, and this is the show where we talk about all things related to God, the Bible, and real life. I'm Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom, and are, we are live. We are. We are live on a Saturday night. We are glad to be with you on the last Saturday of September. I'm not sure how we arrived here. It feels like 2023 is just blown by. It does. It does. And I am not a fan of fall. I need spring and See, summer I had all to, year long. I, I'm, I was breaking out the hoodie today for the first time. So I thought, I'm going to leave it on. Wear my California hoodie. I know everybody is like dumps on California all the time. but When gas is $7, I don't blame them for dumping on California. <laughs> Did I not have on this all the things emblem at the bottom of your screen? I would dump on California to the people. <laughs> So tonight's moderators are Alicia Moss, also in the great state of California, and Sylvia Oman. Glad to have you here. We are live, so make sure to say hello to us in the chat. Let us know you're watching because this is a show where we actually read the comments and incorporate that as much as we can into the conversation. And we want to hear from you and hear your feedback because tonight's going to be a very interesting and special conversation. We're going to have a little little kind of family meeting, a little family huddle here to, to talk about a complicated but important topic. Yes. Now, tonight's show is brought to you by the Center for Biblical Unity, Theology Mom, and Family 210 Clothing, and I almost forgot, Impact 360. That's right. So tonight, uh, make sure that while we're live, make sure that you're still subscribed. I don't know where to look. And um, because sometimes YouTube likes to help you decide, sometimes they unsubscribe me from my own channel. So make sure that you are still subscribed, even if you subscribed in the past. But I do want to ask you also a special favor. Monique and I put a lot of efforts into booking quality guests, putting together educational and helpful content for all of you. And, you know, all the labor that we put into this, we are so grateful to all of our donors that make it possible for us to be deployed into yes. full-time ministry. But another way that you can give back to the ministry is by going and taking two minutes to write a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I know that might seem like a small thing. It doesn't have to be a long review. It can be two or three sentences of how the show has blessed you, helped you, educated you in your faith how it's helped your family or helped you to be able to disciple the young people in your life. But we really need you to go on Apple Podcasts and write a short review for us. That really is a very practical and quick way to help support the ministry. So I want to ask you to do that today. So what's been happening with you? Just living my life. (laughs) Doing your little things. Living my life. Last weekend, we were at the Unshaken Conference with Elisa Childers and Natasha Crane and Frank Turek out in Tucson, Arizona. And that was big fun. Got to meet a lot of people. and Had a nice meetup. Had about yeah. 
30 something people show up? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Super glad to be there and to have the opportunity to tour alongside them and have a table there. And then in a and we're going to be in Nashville with them. Yeah, we are going to be in Nashville with them. We are going to actually do a Nashville meetup as well. Check out the Unshaken Conference. Is it unshaken.com? I don't know. Just Google it. Yeah, Google Unshaken. unshaken. Natasha Crane. Um, Natasha Crane. <laughs> or Unshaken Elisa Childers. Yeah. Let me actually do that right now and see what comes up. And make sure if you're in the Nashville area to get your ticket and come by. Unshaken the... Faith is the name of their podcast. Yeah. But yeah, just you can Google it. Come to Nashville. If you live in the Nashville area, come see us. We're going to be doing a meetup. We've never done a meetup in Nashville before. So come out and hang out with us if you're going to the conference. Yes. And then we will also be at the Southern Evangelical Seminary Conference, the National Apologetics Conference in October. So in just a few weeks. Yeah. We're going to be doing a plenary talk and a breakout session. We're going to have a table. So come by and see us. I'm very nervous. I I, got to admit, that's probably the biggest event I've ever done. You've done some bigger events, but. Probably the biggest event I've ever done. I've never been to SES, the SES conference. So I'm not sure, but I am looking forward to being with all the family. Yes. And calling us all back to the reality that we are family and that God's word is the truth and the foundation for our unity. And, you know, it doesn't matter where we are. We just, it's the conversation that we're having. So tonight, you've been wanting to do some more content. Uh, Elisa and I did some conversation earlier in the year with Neil Shenvey mm-hmm. on Christian nationalism. Yeah, it was so a pe- very good conversation. People can check that out. We're kind of continuing that. I have to admit, like, up until about two years ago, maybe three years ago at the most, I had never even really heard of Christian nationalism. I mean, we were so busy trying to push back against the critical social theories and, and this sort of broad coalition came together. We've had a lot of people on the show over the years who we were all kind of trying to push back on the critical social theories together from wide variety of denominational perspectives and, and that sort of thing. But man, Christian Twitter has been all abuzz, particularly in in recent months. It's been sort of ratcheting up, I think, over the last year of Christian nationalism. And again, I I had never even heard of it. That's because they just made up the term. Like it's it's only a couple years old. Like let's just be honest. It's only a couple years old. Um, But it's confusing. It is confusing. It is. I, I think. I think when people were all in arms about woke ideology and the critical social theories and all of that, the overcorrection, and we're going to have Sam say on in just a minute to actually help walk us through this and talk about a very thoughtful article that he wrote. But in my personal opinion, um, I think that as a overcorrection, the pendulum kind of swings and it swang all the way over here to this idea of Christian nationalism as an overcorrection to the BLM marches, the, you know, critical race theory and all of these things, instead of, you know, landing on our foundation, which is God's word. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been hard. I think even you and I trying to get up to speed enough on the topic to even do some content about it, because 
as we're going to see tonight, it's a fairly complicated issue. There's competing models out there. There's different definitions. There's definitions within the definitions that like words that are within words that you have to understand. There's a lot of hot emotions Mm -hmm. about it. People, boy, if you even doing this show, like we could end up on some response videos. Um, This is uh, definitely a hot topic. Started a conversation with our friend, our friend Sam Say last December over dinner about Christian nationalism at that time. He had just started working his way through Stephen Wolf's book. Um, you've been reading it. This week I've been working through Mere Christendom by uh, Doug Wilson and trying to put some thoughts together. Yeah. So um, I want to let people know as we're bringing Sam on about his important article, helpful article uh, on his blog. His blog is Slow to Write. And you can check him out at slowtowrite.com. If you click on why I am not a Christian nationalist, this is a very helpful article. And um, we're going to be kind of processing some of the ideas that he presents in there and going beyond some of it. But if people want kind of a summary of some of the big ideas tonight, uh, go check out his article, Why I'm Not a Christian Nationalist, over at slowtowrite.com. All right, let's bring Sam on. Hey, Sam. Hey. Hey, ladies. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for joining us and hanging out tonight on a Saturday. We appreciate your time. And I know you're on the East Coast, too, so I know it's late. All right. I've been waiting for my... I've been waiting for my invitation for a long time now, ladies. So I'm like, okay, every every weekend, I'm thinking maybe it'll be this weekend. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. And finally, after all this time, <laughs> I finally wrote the article that attracted your attention. I'm, I'm just being, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. You could have just called up and been like, hey, can I come? When we, when we hanging out? I didn't know. <laughs> no, it was no. fun to, to see you last December. Go hang yeah. out and have some dinner together. Mm-hmm. and uh, reconnect. So I'm glad yeah. we got you back on. So yeah. one of the things that we've originally connected on was critical race theory and why we are not fans and proponents of critical race theory. Yeah. But now you've taken a different, not a different turn, but you're addressing another really important topic, which is Christian nationalism. Yeah. What brought you to that point to addressing this topic specifically? Well, I never like it when Christians demand that people should embrace extra biblical ideas. Um, you know, but to start off, I, uh, and I'll get back to why I just said what I said. Um, I, like you guys, I didn't, no one knew the term Christian nationalism at all until about two or three years ago, which is why I find it so fascinating that you have people now who are just demanding that if you're not a Christian nationalist, you're not biblical. It's like, wait a minute, nobody was using this term until just, again, just a few years ago. So uh, it's concerning that people have become that radical about it. But I actually first heard the term, um, I think somewhere around the January 6th incident or the, the riot, when the media was just labeling every Christian or every conservative as a Christian nationalist, which made me um, just read uh, a book. Uh, I actually did a review on it on my blog, uh, Slow to Write, um, a book called Taking Back America for God. And in that book, these were just leftist, progressive, you know, so-called progressive people uh, labeling essentially all evangelicals, anyone who voted for Trump as being a Christian nationalist. That was basically, and if you, re- if you go back and you read my article, I'm basically saying under how they define Christian nationalists, um, Christian nationalism, 
every Christian is, or every biblical Christian is a Christian nationalist. Now, I don't like that term, but by their own by their own um, ideology, every leftist would describe a Christian or even a conservative as a Christian nationalist. That's how I knew of the term for a while. And then I remember seeing um, podcasts from some, you know, Christian anti-woke people saying, well, you know what, this Christian nationalism, this Christian nationalism term, it's actually not so bad. I'm going to embrace it. And honestly, initially to me, it seemed more of like almost a bit of trolling. And that's not true for everybody, but for some people that I know, they seem to be just saying, you know what, if you're going to call me a Christian nationalist, I'll embrace the term. But it took some time seemingly before there became more and more broad definitions and more especially reformed people, anti-woke reform people saying, you know what, let's come up with a, a in their mind, a clear um, approach to what we mean when we say Christian nationalists. And now you've been seeing that you have different kinds of people, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that, but you have different kinds of Christians who are now embracing this term. But that's how I first came across um, you know, the term Christian nationalism was just a few years ago. And I, I mentioned what I said in the beginning about my concern about how this is so new. When there's a new term or even a new ideology and people demand that you must embrace this new ideology, that immediately concerns me. You mentioned my history with addressing critical race theory. That is still my, my primary focus or woke ideology, but it's impossible to ignore this issue of Christian nationalism because one, it's become so prominent in the Christian media or reformed Christian um, Christian Twitter. And it is also a lot of talk about race and justice um, and that ideology. So they go hand in hand. And honestly, this won't um, make a lot of Christian nationalists happy, but I kind of reference this on my article, but there are some similarities. Uh, I'm not saying that Christian nationalists is like a woke person by any means. I'm not saying that. But there is this, this idea that, again, that if you do not believe what I believe, you are in wrong in the wrong. And so often they won't even go to the Bible. They would just mention things that are either secondary or, or we have freedom over. And they will say, you have to believe this new, this new thing. And if you don't, you're not a Christian. So again, that's not true for every Christian nationalist, yeah. but, but. I've been seeing that quite a bit, and that really concerns me. That's why I see some similarities between some woke um, professing Christians and then some Christian nationalists. I think it's you, one of the points I really appreciate in your article is that you kind of identify some different streams of Christian nationalism, and you've touched on one of them already, is that there is a perception that's out there in the mainstream media that pretty much if you're a Christian who believes that your moral principles should have any impact on your political leanings. You're a Christian nationalist. And that's, yeah. that's just sort of out there. It's a label where probably everyone in the room right now, according to the left is a Christian nationalist, but yeah. there are some with under the umbrella of Christianity, there are some different streams and we should probably just maybe explain briefly what those are. Um, and I, I was really glad to see you mentioned the New Apostolic Reformation as one of those streams. So maybe just talk briefly about, because this isn't the focus of this conversation, but I think people need to be aware of it, of what that version of Christian nationalism looks like. 
Yeah. One of the reasons why Christian nationalism is so um, difficult to have a, a debate or conversation of substance about is because there are so many different kinds of, you know, Christian nationalists, there's so many different versions and they will disagree with each other. But uh, you mentioned the new apostolic reformation and they basically are a group that I would, I, I think I, in my article, I mentioned that they are um, very similar. I mean, they're very much run in the same circles as prosperity gospel people. They're very much the same word of faith type. They're in the same circles. The difference is, is that they emphasize political and cultural issues a bit more than the prosperity gospel. They essentially believe that when Adam fell, um, we lost dominion. We, as in all humanity, lost dominion over all things on earth. Uh, and Satan has dominion according to their ideology. Now Satan has all that all that dominion. So now through Christ, they would claim, but through a very unbiblical view of Christ and redemption, they would say that we now need to regain that dominion. And uh, one of the means, one of the ways that we regain dominion, it is through um, the government, right? Or arts and you know everything else, but especially um, the government, right? So they very much stress a very charismatic. I'm not saying that charismatic. You know, I'm not a charismatic, but not all charismatic people, of course, are the uh, NAR um, as we, as you can describe them. But they are very much, you know, so groups like Bethel. Um, there is Sean Foyt. Um, a lot of the well-known, um, you know, people, like, concert, like MAGA people. So, for example, Paula White is one of the people who's also part of the part of the uh, NAR. A lot of people who have been close to Trump, um, even people like Michael Flynn, have been very much involved in some of these uh, some of these um, in, in, in that group. And they basically are saying that again, we've we lost we've lost dominion as Christians, and therefore we need to regain it by taking back the culture, um, not just for Christ, but for a a, a very authoritative, um, very um, hyper-charismatic uh, approach to uh, running the government and running society as a whole. Yeah. Sometimes we might hear this as the seven mountains. The, yes. This is what yes. they talk about, the seven mountain mandate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, media and entertainment, government, yeah. education, economy, religion, celebration, and family. And so bringing kind of God's lordship over all of those areas. And, yes. you know, in a broad way, I kind of understand what they're trying to do in a, in a big picture way, bringing, you know, the authority of Christ over all things. I get it. But yeah. this is this is kind of some of the verbiage that people might hear by someone who is more in the stream of the new apostolic reformation version of Christian nationalism. I know yes. we talked, uh, you just mentioned about the NAR stream, but is there like a, just a set standard or a set of tenants that would say this is, you know, usually what Christian nationalists agree on, even if it's not all the time, 100%. With the NAR, or you mean broadly? Just with the broadly speaking, it is. It would. It would. It would primarily be authoritarian. It's mostly just. I think they would say that classical liberalism, or the or the America's founding um, values have failed. Now, the NAR may not really quite say that. They would. They. They might be saying we we need more of authoritarianism. But they might still want to keep the constitution. They're a little bit different. 
But the rest of Christian nationalists, for the most part, except for those who are just the average Christians, like like, like you know, you uh, like you guys and myself, they would say this would be more the theonomist, the the kinist, even this would be the out of the post mill Stephen Wolf type um, Christian nationalists. They would say that America's founding values have actually failed that we now need to abolish the constitution we need to we need to get rid of separation of church and state we need to have an authoritarian um you know christianity form or form of government in america or in other parts of the world i've even heard some of them saying that they they will be willing to use violence in other nations to form a christian nation now not like, all well, of them say that yeah but, no, but no, no not all not there all, are yeah. some yeah exactly so, and i think what yeah. sam's pointing out here is really important and we're already getting some interesting comments on the stream, but there are a lot of things flying under the banner of Christian nationalism. Yeah. Yeah. And we have, it's so it's a little bit tricky to even try to come up with a clear definition because there are competing models and competing manifestations of it. Well, I'm going to ask the question as the black person. I mean, I know, but like you Canadian, Ghana, you know, I'm just here. So are we done away with white Christian nationalism? Has that like flown under the banner now of Christian? Because I was under the impression that I couldn't be a Christian nationalist because I'm brown. But now and and I need I need to understand this before we go further into the conversation. I think that's just a different stream. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, so so I I can say this way maybe to make it more simple, and I reference this in the article. There are about four or five different kinds of Christian nationalists. Mm-hmm. So there are some who would describe all. This would be mostly the leftist. This is the the book I mentioned earlier, Taking Back America for God. They essentially say that if you are a conservative and a Christian, if you're an evangelical, you are a Christian nationalist. That's basically what they're saying. They call uh, they call uh, Wayne Grudem and John Piper Christian nationalists, right? And so you can just imagine it. Just the average Christian. Who is pro-life? Who is um, who believes in traditional biblical gender? Um, you know, um, has biblical views on on gender. Um, if you just are a biblical Christian, according to many leftists, you are a Christian nationalist, right? So that's one group, and that, and I guess I'll fall into that group. Now, I don't call myself a Christian nationalist for many reasons that I might get into later, but they would call me a Christian nationalist because I'm a Christian. And then you have, as I mentioned, the the NAR. Um, Christian nationalists, and they call themselves Christian nationalists too. Um, then you have the theonomists who basically believe in general equity, which is basically to make it very simple. They believe that the old covenant, um, you know, the, the, the Mosaic law is the standard, the universal standard for all society. And that we should have a, we should have a, a general equity that would reflect those those laws in society. Those are the theonomists, and they now call themselves Christian nationalists because many of them think it is a better term to describe their views than theonomist. Then you have the kinist, and I think that's what you were you were you were referencing, Monique. The kinist. Now there are actually some black kinists actually out there, but but they yes. wouldn't be Christian nationalists. There are um, black kinists who are basically the Hebrew Israelites, right? Mm-hmm. They are very much kinist. You have even the Rastafarians, right? You have different yeah. kinds of kinists across all kinds of religions and and groups but the christian nationalist kinists are very much primarily white and, and they Kinnis say that is people that believe kind of that you should stay with your own culture your own race you, ethnic group. and yes. you need to marry 
inside yes. of that group. And that can, yes. we're not saying that Christian kinism is the only version of that. There are other versions exactly. as well. Okay. Absolutely. Actually, I would say that they are probably the minority out of all the groups. They're not the largest by any means, but they are growing. And believe me, my emails <laughs> would show, will tell you that they are growing in number. I received, I mean, you guys, I'm sure have faced this too many ways. I've received a lot of attacks from woke people over the years. However, this year, I think I mentioned this in the article, this year, I've received overwhelmingly more. Now, I'm still getting attacks from woke people, but way more of the, you know, white Christian kinist nationalists have been upset with me because I've been writing against kinism over the last few months. So they're they're small in number compared to the others, but they're very much still exist. I had an email just- And they're very vocal. Uh, very they're, vocal. Very they're very vocal. vocal. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why, um, now I support what Elon Musk is doing primarily in, in many ways with Twitter. I think one of the reasons why they are maybe more vocal now is because of now the more of this free speech that is available on Twitter than before. I think that's probably why that's happening. Plus also with some of these, some of the anger towards woke ideology. I think a lot of people through the hurt and the pain are now choosing to internalize and to repay racism for racism, as I would call it. So um, yeah, I just had an email two or three days ago from a, a uh, Christian nationalist who's a kinist telling me that Jesus would support kinism, right? So this is very much out there. And every week, again, I'm getting emails from people uh, supporting kinism. So it's definitely much a reality. Um, and then um, you have, again, I think I already mentioned, I've mentioned there's the, the, the theonomy types, there is the kinist types, there is the uh, NAR types, and there is the, you know, just according to leftists, there is, you know, that, the idea that every Christian, every biblical Christian is a Christian nationalist best just because of our traditional views on gender, race, and and justice. Now, there's someone, a commenter on YouTube. He says, um, G3 keeps talking about Kinnis, but they can't find a single example. It's vague, woke talking points adopted by the right. Neither can this yeah. guy. Ask him, who's an example of a Kinnist? Well, that's pretty easy. That's Samuel Francis, who's quoted by um by um, um wolf, right? Stephen Wolf in yeah. his book and I've called I've said it plainly I've met Stephen Wolf um I've called him a soft kinist there says things he says in the book which he's taking back and I'm at least in some capacity but he's openly mentioned this in his book um how he 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 says that well I don't I don't know if we want to get into it now or not but since the you know the uh, the um the uh the person asked the question yeah, Stephen Wolf says some very kinist, um, um, you know, things in his book. You also have Faith and Heritage, I think is their name. They've they closed down a few a few years ago in terms of their website, but they had some promise. And if you read their articles, it's very much all kinism. So they're definitely out there. Um, I've had people um, that I won't, you know, they're not well known, but the people on social media who you know grew in some prominence um, by being anti woke. Who said to me that? Yeah, they believe that white people are unique, uniquely their brothers. Um, which it's like, no, no, that's not true. No, a black person is not uniquely my brother. Even a Ghanaian is not uniquely my brother. Now, a a Ghanaian of the similar ethnicity as me, my you know, is my brother in terms of being my um, my 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 ethnic sharing the same ethnicity or but, cultural. You know, similarities yeah. yeah but a white person 
simply shares the same skin color as somebody else. You could be you could be a Slav, right? And you have nothing in common with somebody from, I'm trying to think of a different, um, say maybe a, a, a Danish person, right? So, you know, or or my wife who comes from Frisian ancestry from um, from uh, Netherlands, she doesn't have anything in common with a Slav except for their skin color. They don't, they're not brothers because of that, right? So it's just as, as absurd as someone saying that Caribbeans are brothers with, with Ghanaians when we have um, we have some similarities, but a lot of differences in culture and ethnicity. Now, um, I've been on your Instagram, Sam. I know that you have Kinnis who comment from time to time on your Instagram. Now, these may <laughs> not be famous people, but these people yeah. are out there. So with all due respect, oh, yeah. Mike, Th- these these people are well, out there. They've they've come on our social media, and this is not a right wing talking point. These are real people who yeah. ride into the ministry and yeah, that sort I, of thing. I think the the hard thing is when we see these people like in real life, yeah. or when we see the the impact. impact that they're having on someone. We actually had a young girl at a conference that I spoke at. And her grandfather was a chemist, but she was she was white and she was dating yeah. someone who was black. And the issues that it was causing and the heartbreak that it was causing, I'm like, this is whether you're a famous chemist or you're just a Joe Schmo chemist, doesn't matter. It's it's an unbiblical view, goes yeah. against scripture, and it really hurts the people that you say you care about. Absolutely, and and look, there's there are famous Christian nationalists like Andrew Torba, who's yeah. the the founder of Gab, and then as you said, there's some less prominent people. You know, I've had people who've shared some. I mean, one person um, sent sent a tweet against me saying that um, interracial marriage. Um, not, I I don't even believe in the concept of interracial. Right, it's well the same race. Nevertheless, that interracial marriage is tantamount to murder. And that went viral on Twitter. A lot that. of people. Yes. And then when I replied to that, you had many people who've been following me who was like, well, saying, Sam, but isn't interracial marriage like basically white genocide? I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you guys doing? Right. So this is very prominent, even amongst the less famous people. This is unfortunately growing. And I think, again, you even had um, someone like uh, I'm forgetting his name, um, the Gilbert creator. Um, oh, yeah. He, yeah. Now, Scott Adams? you know. Scott Adams, yeah. Now, I'm not saying he's a Christian kinist, but even he shared some kinist views where he's saying, look, uh, he's now calling white people his brothers as well, too, because he now um, fam- infamously, I think last year had a, a uh, or earlier this year, actually, he, he had a very racist reaction to a very racist critical race theory poll. I think it was like over half of black people in this poll said that it's not OK to be white. And yeah. he essentially lost his mind. He was yes, saying, he it's all, you know, we should no longer we should no longer associate as in white people. So no longer associate with with black people now. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? So unfortunately, because of um, because of critical race theory, I think a lot of people have have now become more kinist because they're saying, look, if you're going to attack me for being white, then I am going to want to protect myself and my people. Because unfortunately, critical race theory does say that white people are uniquely their own people too. It is this just horrific cycle of terrible ideology that just keeps going on. And unfortunately, just as I don't know why so many people are surprised that this would be growing in prominence. It's not, again, it's not that common, but it is growing. It's becoming more and more common because it happened with, 
with woke ideology, with critical race theory. For years, many of us were warning that, guys, while critical race theory may not be as prominent, while it may not be as mainstream now, it will be because we are talking to people in our churches, in other places at work, or in our comments who are sharing some of these views. And many people ignored it until 2020 happened, right? And I think, I'm not quite, I'm not saying this will be the same as uh, woke ideology within the church, but it wouldn't surprise me if years down the road, this becomes much larger than it is right now because people refuse to believe what is being said. Now, I want to be fair about Stephen Wolf's position, and I want to leave something hanging out there. You made a claim mm -hmm. that you yeah. see him as a soft kinist. Yeah. I don't think that Stephen Wolf would see himself that way. Yeah. So how did you arrive at that conclusion? Because mm -hmm. I want to be very fair to him yeah, yeah. and people who are sympathetic with his view, because he has a very, and we brought this out in the, the discussion that Elisa and I did with Neil Shenvey about Stephen Wolf's book, that he has a mm -hmm. very particular definition of ethnicity yeah. that is, I'm going to, I think it's a fair characterization to say is non-standard and unique to him. Yeah. yeah. And, but I want to be fair about it as to how he's describing it. So I'd like you to kind of discuss what, Stephen Wolf's definition is of ethnicity, yeah. and then how did you arrive at the conclusion as seeing him as a soft chemist? I don't know if I agree with you yet. So yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, and that's completely fair. Um, I have no problem. That's actually a great question. I'm glad you asked that. He has a. The thing is, he he so he's defined um, ethnicity really as as nation groups to put it simply, where he would say that um, ethnicity is not based on your skin color, perhaps even ancestry. Now, he ends up sometimes going against what he said in other parts of the book, but he basically would say that, an, that Americans have a shared ethnicity. If you are an American, you have the same ethnicity, no matter whether you're Black, White, Asian, Latino, whatever, you have the same ethnicity. So he would say that he's really referring to when he, when he speaks against uh, when he says that, um, uh, I think it was a Twitter post, and even echoed by some of what he says in his book as well, too. Um, when he says that, that um, I'm forgetting the exact quote, but that interracial marriage isn't inherently um, sinful, but it might, but uh, it might be at times you know, on different occasions. He could say that while well, he's actually referring to, you know, to people with different nationalities and different or, or different cultures, necessarily race yeah. or ethnicity. But the problem is, again, in his book, he he says things that very clearly contradict that, where he's referring to, for example, um, being uncomfortable with immigration um, if it is based on some people with different cultures and ethnicities. Right. And again, he seems to just kind of switch back and forth between what he means by ethnicity, because sometimes in his book, when he says ethnicity, he's really referring to the standard definition of ethnicity. So at the very least, it makes it very confusing. And then you also have a tweet that he shared a few months ago where he said that white evangelicals are the lone bulwark, um, I think, for hope in America or something like that, where it is very specifically saying that it's white evangelicals that are the lone bulwark, right? And he also quotes, as I said, a white supremacist in his book. Now, Simon Francis is the guy he's, he quotes, it's impossible to not know who he is when you're quoting him. He is a famous white supremacist. He also has 
a a former partner in 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 ministry who had to come out to say that he has said some racist things in the past and according to his apology he's repented but there's there's so many things that he said and then again when i'm reading his book i think when when you and i were talking when you guys and i were talking last december i was saying look i'm hearing these things about Stephen Wolf, but i'm not quite sure yet i want to read the book and i met him in person and when i met him he was a kind man but when i'm reading the book when i'm listening to some things that he's, he's also said in his in some of the podcasts and, and when i am seeing some of his tweets it's hard not to say that he isn't a soft kinist. I mean, I've also seen him retweet um, something which referred to white people as brothers, right? It's just, again, I I struggle not to believe that he isn't a soft kinist based on all these things. And when I say soft kinist, what I mean is there are people that we know, Christians, who deny being critical race theorists, they'll say, well, I don't believe in everything that the critical race theorists believe. And I, I, I agree with that. I know that not every evangelical who embraced critical race theory or woke ideology uh, embraces all of it. But the reality is when you embrace some parts of woke ideology, that makes you some kind of a soft, uh, woke you know, Christian. And I think Stephen Wolf while he rejects that claim, and I know that there are some Kenneths who also reject him. He said too many things, I think, for me to ignore as um, as being, you know, as being completely unrelated to Kennison. I think the tricky part with Wolf, there's a couple of tricky things. One is that his book is one of the first to try to really put it, the Christian nationalist framework into like a written form. And, you know, when you're the first and you're trying to pioneer this, I know Andrew Torba has a short book on it as well that came out technically first, but Wolf's book is more substantive than that. And he really has set a bar of, you know, this is what Christian nationalism is. Now, Doug Wilson's book uh, has come out more recently and um, Mere Christendom, I've been working my way through that. He approaches the issues of Christian nationalism a little bit differently and is in um, more of the theonomy slash post-millennial stream, mm -hmm. which we should probably get into. But I think mm -hmm. at, at minimum, what we could say about Wolf when it comes to the issue of ethnicity is it's a little confusing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. it, and um, I want to be gracious to him in the sense that he's a Christian brother and to understand his very um, nuanced definition of what he's trying to do with ethnicity. I want to respect that. But at the same time, we have to understand that when we use words in a unique way and that, that, that it's just to us, it, it people will be confused. But yeah. I, I based on what I've heard him, I've listened to several interviews with him. And I want to represent his his view as fairly as possible that, you know, he's really concerned with people of common culture defending their land and having shared beliefs. And he sees that as being, um, you know, as Americans in particular, that we would defend our land no matter our race or, you know, the more common um, definition of ethnicity. Yeah, he says yeah. Um, in his book, he says, I have, a I have more to say about nations, ethnicity, and cultural diversity in the next few chapters, including the argument that man, by his nature, requires particular particularity and must dwell among similar people to live well. 
And while it could be easy to think, well, he's talking specifically about like black people must live with black people, white people must live with white people. I think as you thread through the book, he is talking more about land. Now, I think Twitter and or like nation of origin and nationality and things like that, like who are the people who are defending America and things like that. But I think on Twitter and some of those public statements, I think you you do bring up some some good points and good questions to say, hey, you know, you've quoted this person or you tweeted out that person. How are you defending those claims? I th- yeah, I think. And I think- yeah, I think, you know, we all want to be gracious with him. Because I, as I said, I heard people saying all these things about him. And I was like, well, and people were, some people were even upset with me that I immediately denounced him. I'm like, well, hey, I want to read his book first. But as I'm reading the book, and again, I've met him in person, right? When I met him, he was a kind man. Um, I actually have tried, maybe I don't know if I should get into this, but I've tried to talk to him. Let's just say that, you know, in private and hasn't really worked out too well. But I, you know, I, 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 I often choose to, um, I resist saying he's a racist. I, I, I resist that. But but again, when I read his book, will you have a responsibility when you're a writer to make sure that you are clear in your writing? Now, it doesn't mean that we should be ungracious when someone fails to be clear. But when it is repeated, right? When it is, again, you're quoting white supremacists, when you are, you've, you have partnerships with people who have said very clearly racist things. Um, when there are all these different things, it's, it's like, it's, it's very difficult not to uh, come to the conclusion that there is some influence of kinetism within his work, right? And that's particularly what I'm getting at. Um, so, and especially when, when you go against, uh, when, when you criticize him, all these kinists. I never had kinists coming after me until I criticized Stephen Wolf. So again, it's, it's very difficult to separate that, right? So I want to hope all things. I want to, um, there are plenty of other people who are his allies that I've not called kinist. Yeah. Um, he's the only one, and there's a reason for that. I'm, I'm not known for being quick to call someone a kinist, right? So I want to be gracious too, and uh, I, I believe I am, um, but it's it's difficult not to call him a soft kinist based on all, some of the things that I've already mentioned. I think um, I want to address simply Grace's question. She says, we're taking secondhand information from critical and biased perspectives. No, we're not. We've read the original sources. That's what we're interacting with. Sam has said repeatedly that he's interacted with Stephen Wolf. He's read his book. Monique's worked through the book. I've worked through Wilson's book. We're not interacting with secondary sources. So please just step back from the false accusations. All right. Yeah, I I find it (laughs) funny because I normally don't have to do this. I have a whole book. I have a whole list of books that I read that, but like I, I've read this book many times. Uh, you know, so I could read certain quotes from it, but I will take some time. Uh, but look, look, I like I've like we've all done with when we talk about critical race theory. Everyone should go read the primary sources for themselves. Yeah, right? absolutely. Go read it for yourself. Absolutely. But but at the same time, you know, if you come to a different conclusion, that's that's on you. But it's absolutely wrong to suggest that people who are addressing this issue have not actually read, um, okay. you know, the book again, themselves. That's. <laughs> This isn't an attack on Wolf. This isn't an attack on Wilson. This isn't an attack on people. This is a a critique of ideas because just like I would say something against critical race theory or social justice ideology and things like that, I would do the same thing with, you know, principles or tenets of critical of um, Christian nationalism because it does not comport with 
the scripture, like at the places where it does not um, gel with scripture and does not have a distinctly biblical way forward, I think we need to we need to talk about that. Now, can there be places of overlap with Christianity and and, and Christian nationalism? Sure. Are there places of overlap that I can distinctly call out among critical race theory and Christianity? Yes. There are, but how do we move forward in a way that is uniquely and distinctly Christian and kind of yeah. weed through ideas that um, that are not going to bring us to unity and have us walk in unity is is, is our goal in our heart in this conversation. Exactly. I, I think I another, more... I, let me just say really quick, I think another concerning thing I have about the conversation of Christian nationalism, though, is that it seems like you can't even have any analysis of it without people coming on and saying, well, you're not doing it right, and you're not understanding yeah. it right, which is a near yeah. duplicate of what Monique and I went through three years ago talking about critical race theory. Every time yeah. we tried to have a public yeah. conversation about it, people yeah. came on and said, well, you're not doing it right, you're not defining it right, even though we were citing the primary sources, even though we were interacting with the primary sources. At some point, we have to have a public conversation about it, and even yeah. if you know, we are in our own learning process of of reading the primary sources, trying to understand, going back to the scripture, rereading things. There are many things in Doug Wilson's book I agree with. I'm doing a whole doctoral program right now related to Christianity and the public square and uh, public theology. I've read a lot, thousands of pages in the last year on these issues. There's several things in Wilson's book that I would agree with that are found in other things I've already read. We are not here to say we disagree with everything that they're saying, but I will, I don't know if I'm persuaded, Sam, that uh, Stephen Wolf is a soft kinist, but I, I, I am comfortable with saying that it does seem like people who advocate for kinism are willing to kind of be connected to him and you know he's not necessarily 100 percent responsible for that but he does seem to find himself being supported by them it seems a lot of times which i find yeah. a little bit interesting yeah so i i i want to make a comment that i can ask you a question maybe that'll be, that'll be clarifying for me but the one of the things that i find interesting is the you know whenever people who say that Christian nationalism is racist or or kinist? I say I should correct. I say that's not true, right? There are fringe um, groups that call themselves Christian nationalists who, in the past, call themselves white nationalists. Yeah. But now, since since white nationalists tend to be professing Christians because of just tradition in the West, uh, they call themselves Christian nationalists because it, it's because it's a good marketing term for them, right? Instead of just saying, "Well, I'm a white nationalist." But it doesn't mean that every Christian nationalist is, is such. In fact, most, and I know many of my dear friends are, are Christian nationalists. So no one should think that we are saying that every Christian nationalist is a kinist. But the reality is there are many who have taken that term that are absolutely Christian nationalists. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. But the question that I have about um, Stephen Wolf is, and again, there are many quotes that I can think about that right now. Um, it took too long to get into. But when he said on social media that, uh, I think I referenced it earlier that inter-ethnic marriage. Now, this is when he had been asked specifically about that in terms of the issue of race. That's part of the thing, right? Again, it's it's weird to go through to use Twitter as the example here. But I think because the people read his book and they were asking him that, hey, are you then saying you are against 
interracial or interethnic marriage? That was the I think the initial question, and then he responds by saying that um, interethnic marriage isn't inherently sinful, but it might be. Right. How do you understand that? Yeah, I, it, it was a confusing tweet. It, I mean, I remember seeing that tweet and I'm like, I don't know what that means. And I think there's a, I'm very hesitant to accuse a Christian brother of, of obfuscation, but that is how it feels to me as an outsider is why can't you just give a clear answer? And I, I don't know. I don't know what that tweet means. And, and, and yeah. And the reason why I I struggle in light of that and so many examples, not to call him a soft kinist, is because if he is a progressive Christian who, who shares a similar tweet, but on the other side, right? Against, uh, you know, but on the critical race theory point of view or seemingly similar to that. I wouldn't have a problem calling him a soft critical race theorist. And I think, to be honest, I think many evangelicals, like I think if we look back over the last few years, right, that Neil Shenvey, for example, I'm not saying that he would agree with me completely. I'm just, I don't, don't want to say that he's have the, of the same mind, but he's made this point too, that there are so many yes. Christians who said things that are not explicitly completely in line with critical race theory, but because they are Christians, they clearly are different from the the non-Christian critical race theorists, but there's clearly an influence there. There's clearly, if, if a Christian believes, for example, in white privilege, they may not agree with everything else, but that itself is a soft version of critical race theory just by believing in that. So if we say that person is a soft critical race theorist, nobody would say, well, that's harsh. But then when we say that of, you know, when we say the same thing about a potential soft kinist like Stephen Wolf, I think so many people are slower to to agree with that, right? And I, yeah. I, and I struggle with that because to me, I, I find that to be inconsistent. I, I struggle hmm. with it too. I think Monique's had similar, shared with me similar things. It's just, he, it's like when the moment, it's kind of like dealing with Andy Stanley. Like I've been very critical of Andy Stanley and he's so vague and it feels yep. like, why are you playing these semantic games? Just tell us you're gay affirming already. And so with Stephen yeah. Wolf, you know, I'm like, okay, he's kind of new. I don't know. I've listened to some interviews. He he doesn't seem to want to actively promote racism. But then when the moment comes where he could really offer clarity, it's not clear. It's it's yeah. obscure. And so I can understand why that seems sort of adjacent. Okay. Um Kelly says, I'm confused. This is a lot of information. Yeah. And, and that's why we've... I'm just sitting here sipping my tea. Yeah, this, this is rough. All right. So we've talked a lot about the Kinnis stream. We talk a little bit about yeah. the NAR stream. We talked a little bit about the secular stream. I want to, in the second half of the show, get into the theonomy and post mill stream. We're going to go to a quick one minute break and hear from our friends at Impact 360 and then try to unfold and understand more of the theonomy post-millennial post stream of Christian nationalism. We'll be back in 60 seconds. It's time to prepare. Let's get ready for the journey ahead. Life doesn't give us a redo. We don't get to run it back. Along the way, we will face obstacles and challenges, but we are carrying light into the dark places. Our paths and our destinations are different, but our beginning is the same. We must 
prepare. This is why Impact 360 Institute exists. Get ready to grow, to stand firm, to be who God created you to be, to lead with courage, truth, and love. This experience will transform your life. Be challenged to grow your faith. Learn how to think, not what to think. Build community with those seeking to live like Jesus. Establish spiritual rhythms, discover how to be, and make disciples. And put your faith into action. As you prepare for the journey ahead, deepen your understanding of what God has revealed about reality and why Christianity is true. Discover your identity in Christ and your God-given calling and authentic community. Cultivate a servant's heart and live a life of spirit-empowered kingdom influence. Guys, make sure to check out Impact 360 online or on their website and consider sending your young person to Impact 360 as a worldview training. They have one week, two week and nine month gap year programs. So let's get back into this whole Kenneth conversation. I've been sitting on the sideline sipping my tea. Okay, I've been trying to understand and figure out and listen to this one. I'm just trying to, am I, can I be black and a Kenneth or, or black and a Christian nationalist? Or, you know, what are these terms? And so I just want to quickly run down some of what we've talked about already. So we have mentioned that Christian nationalism is a very confusing term. It's like trying to nail jello to a wall. Everybody has their own definition. Things are going here. Things are going there. And it reminds me of 2020 when I would speak out against BLM or say something about critical race theory. And all of a sudden, you don't understand. You don't. I'm reading your work. So, you know, you don't, you don't know. And so it's a lot of that conversation too, where it's like certain groups of people hold differing viewpoints on exactly what Christian nationalism is, but we're getting these terms just like we had in 2020, we had a lot of terms and people thinking that this sounds good. Black lives matter, right? Yes. We going to support that because black lives matter. I want to be anti-racist, right? Yes. Be anti-racist. Things that were, y'all going to come for me, I know, antithetical to Christ and antithetical to the Christian worldview, largely, many Christians were holding on to and jumping on board with because these terms sound really cool. They sound like something I want to be a part of because I don't want to be a racist. Here we go on this other side a few years later, and we have this term called Christian nationalism, and many people are trying to wade their way through, am I a Christian nationalist? I definitely want a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. But because I want a Christian nation, shouldn't I be a Christian nationalist or should I not? Does Am I just inherently one because I believe in Christ in my nation? And so we're wading through some of that. One of the primary texts that we've referred to tonight has been Stephen Wolf's book, A Case for Christian Nationalism. Um, our guest tonight is Sam Say, and he has walked through a bit of, of his experience um, interacting with Stephen Wolf interacting like in person, but also on Twitter and with, with um, his primary source being Stephen Wolf's book and defining some terms. What is a Kenneth? A Kenneth being someone who thinks that you need to marry within your race. 
or within your ethnic group. And yes, there are black kinesis. This isn't something that's just, you know, unique to white people. I would say that many people in like the Rasta movement or black Hebrew Israelites, or even some people who would not identify with that at all, they might be sitting in church next to you, but mm-hmm. they just think, you know, you need to preserve your blackness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of kinism, people. Might not mm-hmm. be a full deep dive into, you know, all things kinism. We might not disown you the way some kinists would, but... There, there are different, there are varying levels. Another, um, I think, term that we've looked at is um, Christian nationalism itself. And what, what is it? How are we defining it? Like I said earlier, just a minute ago, it's like nailing jello to a wall. A lot of authoritarianism, a lot of, um, you know, wanting Christians to, to have a, a rule in a, a, a reign within government and within our nation. And so this is kind of where we are. We have looked at the secular view of Christian nationalism, the secular or leftist position saying that if you are a Christian, you are a Christian nationalist. If you are someone who upholds biblical values, you can be dubbed a Christian nationalist. You have the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation, Um, form of Christian nationalism, which strongly believes that at the fall, humans lost something um, integral to our to our humanness, I would say is like our ruling and reigning. And so we need to go back and and obtain that through government and policy in the political sphere. And then the last one was the Kenneth and looking just at Kenism and a Christian nationalist form of kinism or a kinist form of Christian nationalist. And so the last the last one that we're going to look at is the theonomist or um, post-mill framework for Christian nationalism. I know I have said a lot, but I did want to kind of bring us back together onto a, a balanced place of like, this is the ground we've covered and this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. So want to take it away from there? Yeah, let's just get into... Um this kind of more of the Doug Wilson kind of post-millennial theonomy. And I think Stephen Wolf would put himself in that stream as well a little bit. Actually, yeah. So he'd be part of the post-mill side, but not the theonomist side. Okay. okay. It can get a bit confusing there too, but he's not a theonomist. But that brings up a really good point again, is we have competing models Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that we shouldn't think that all Christian nationalists have all the same beliefs in common. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about theonomy. That term might be new for people. Yeah. So theonomy is essentially, um, it's also called reconstructionism as well, too. Yeah. Um, essentially the view that, uh, I think I, I mentioned this earlier, that the Mosaic law or the, as in the, um, the, judi- the judicial law or the civil law um, in, in, the, in the old covenant is the universal standard. So they would say it wasn't just meant for Israel, it is meant for all nations, and that it should be applied today through general equity, which basically means that we can't have it ex- in the exact same way. At least now there are some who believe, again, even within theonomists, you have different views, right? So, but generally some would say that it should be modernized or, or, or applied um, uh, uniquely maybe for every nation through general equity, which basically means that let's just follow the same principle um in the mosaic law but then again having it through you know done through the the, you know whether it's us or canada or ghana or anywhere anywhere else so basically that's their view is through general equity primarily um that's what the 
Doug Wilson uh, camp, which is the most popular camp right now, I think, in um, uh, for theonomy right now in Christian circles, they would be more in the general equity camp. So, um, so yeah, so that's basically theonomy, right? It's basically just that the Mosaic law, the civil laws are universal, the universal standard, so that any nation who does not, who do not apply these laws are unjust, they're, they're, they're disobeying God. So that's what they believe. And there's very much similarities between theonomy and Christian nationalism, or at least the Stephen Wolf brand of Christian nationalism, because he is not a theonomist, but the reason why Canon Press, which is a publisher owned by Doug Wilson, published that because there's so many similarities there uh, between the two camps. But as I mentioned earlier, theonomists, many of them are embracing that term, Christian nationalism, because they see it, I think, as more appealing to the masses than theonomy itself. So I want people to understand, you know, when when Sam is saying about theonomists are um, taking the general equity of the law and applying it to modern day government situations, what they're saying, what he's saying with that is that they're using the old covenant standard of the civil laws as a universal standard of God's justice. So when God condemns um, adultery or theft or bribery or murder under the old covenant, that there is a standard that is true for all nations and all times and all places. And so there are some comments in the chat wondering, is Christian nationalism just an American thing? Actually, no. Their their thought is Matthew twenty eight nineteen that when Jesus says disciple the nations, what he literally means is that the end goal is for nations to pass civil laws that would match the eternal laws of of God's covenant in the Old Testament, yeah. including the penalties. So not just the principles of the law against theft or bribery or murder are, are part of his eternal standard, also the penalties. So if something has a death penalty under the old covenant, they would say eventually a true Christian nation would pass a death penalty. Now, they're not suggesting all these things are going to be enacted tomorrow. This mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. an incremental, multi-generational approach and that's why it's hooked into post-millennialism, that mm -hmm. as the gospel goes out, and Wilson makes this pretty clear in his book, that this is a fruit of as the gospel goes out, yeah. then people are converted and then they will want to submit their nations under the lordship of Christ. And he actually mm -hmm. puts forward in his book, you know, that the Apostles' Creed uh, this broad Christendom, if you will. So he's not into, you know, only Presbyterians can run for office or Baptists or somehow second-class citizens. It's this very broad Christendom that he's wanting to put forward. But he wants, you know, Ghana for, for under the Lordship of Christ and Uganda and America and Canada and, and the UK, and that eventually all of these nations, as a result of the gospel, will come under the lordship of Jesus. Anything you want to add to that, Sam? Yeah, I think that's 
You have it exactly right. And you mentioned um, post-mill theology. Um, I th all theonomists generally are, all theonomists are, are post-mill, but not every post-mill Christian is a theonomist. That's right? true. I think that's, help yeah. that's helpful to, and I know you, you, you know that, but I want, I want the audience to understand that. So yeah, that's, that's why I that's why Stephen Wolf is post-male, but he's not a theonomist. Although, again, through his Christian nationalist views, he has some things in common. Basically, post-male, um, you know, leads the Christian to believe that, of course, all society, every nation, will be under Christ. Will 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 be you know will be obedient to Christ. So, whether it looks like theonomy, Christian nationalism, or even uh, you have people who are not Christian nationalists or theonomists who are post-mill, but they might say something like, you know what, there will be, it might, you know, the government might still be classical, classically liberal, but it will just be a Christian culture, which will lead to Christian ethics and laws, right? So you have different kinds of post-mill people, but theonomists are post-mill who believe that the universal, that, that the Mosaic law, the civil law is the universal standard for all nations. Can I ask a question? Um, so, and this is to both of you, um, when you, when we talk about the anonymous and we talk about the civil law, I usually think of like the mo I usually think of like the 10 commandments, five to 10 Would the anonymous then want to include laws or, or, or commands like one to four. Thou shall have no other God before me. And, you know, like all of those as well, because when you have a Christian nation, like how can you have a Christian nation with commandments five to 10 if you don't first have a recognition of laws one to four? So am, am I right in assuming that a Christian nationalist would want to possibly also include one to four because the the whole goal is to have like the Christian nation. I'm trying to clear that up for anybody else who might be. Yeah, I, I think some of them, uh, I mean, I've heard several prominent people, you know, say, well, we had Sabbath laws in place until just a few decades ago mm -hmm. that many stores yeah. were closed on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we, uh, Wilson talks about that there were even some states early in the history of the union that, you know, then their state constitution said, you know, we're under the reign of, of Jesus and the creator. And, you know, that it wasn't that there was a state church. He's definitely yeah. not advocating for a state church. Mm -hmm. um, but that there is an acknowledgement that God is real and we are under his authority in a very general way. Now, whether there are death penalties for blasphemy laws, I think that that is an open conversation among theonomists. Uh, yes, there are competing yes. competing views about that. Okay. Yes, but but Christian nationalists in general, again, this is they're both somewhat broad, but the most prominent Christian nationalists today are very much very much supportive of blasphemy laws and would support punishment um that would if anyone blasphemes against the lord they would very much be for giving them the sword um you know uh, and for example they also do not believe in freedom of religion or freedom of speech that's a major issue i referenced that in my article um so it, it depends on the person but generally they very much support blasphemy laws and and um maintaining laws that would basically make 
America or whatever nation that um, this would be applicable to, they would say that this is a Christian nation. And if you go against these laws, for example, there are many who would say, for example, if you dishonor your parents, that you should you should receive the sword for that as well, too. Uh, now, again, now some would disagree with that, right? But so again, there's internal disagreements within uh, uh, between uh, different kinds of theonomists and Christian nationalists. Yeah, but I think it's important to, you know, understand, too, that there are broad agreements about a nation coming under the rule and reign of Jesus, which I can understand Wilson's point in that when the state is the highest authority, then the state becomes God. In our founding documents in America, we have this idea of being having inalienable rights being endowed by our creator so that there is something higher than humanity. There is something higher than the state that gives us rights and that we answer to. And so on that broad point, even somebody like me would probably be considered a Christian nationalist. Yeah. Um, the idea that we want to advocate in the public square for, you know, things that laws that preserve marriage or promote marriage or protect the unborn from being murdered or against theft or bribery in a broad sense, we would be seen as general equity theonomists. Mm -hmm. But this is where it gets really tricky because the setup then becomes, well, are you for drag queen culture or are you for Jesus is Lord over all? And yeah. I find that the conversation has become so divisive that, yeah. that, that's the horns of the dilemma that you end up being on. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, some people call me a theonomist. I'm not a theonomist. See, the reason why I say this is because every Christian, every biblical Christian, and theonomists always make this argument. If you are a biblical Christian, one way or another, you are a theonomist in the sense that you, at the very least, you look at the uh, Mosaic law as a guide, right? So... If you're doing that, if you say so, for example, in, throughout the um, throughout the um, the pandemic, I said that our nation should look to the old covenant as a way to to as as um, to, as a as an example to follow what to do with uh, maintaining you know just laws throughout that. And I mentioned how in the mosaic, I mentioned in the mosaic law, you had to quarantine the sick not the healthy. That and and be I had a, a whole podcast making a similar point. Yeah. So, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, if, so there's obviously God's word is wise, right? So we look yeah. at that. The question becomes though, that is that the only, is it the standard or a guide? And that's where you can have some disagreements. That's where you have some theonomists who may disagree on how to apply God's law. Um, so I don't call myself a theonomist when some do, I say whatever. Right. Um, but when it comes to this view that you have to be either a theonomist or a Christian liberal, you're going to have drag queen culture. I say that's ridiculous because look at the, the um, look at the old covenant, look at the, um, the old Testament when it comes to having a theocratic system, you still had immorality rampant, even throughout that, right? You still had people worshiping Moloch and other gods. 
you still had essentially drag queen story hour, you know, um, in, in those in those times as well. So now they would acknowledge this too that, not, well, some theonomists would, would disregard this, but many theonomists would agree that while you can have just laws, that's not going to fix the problem. They would acknowledge that you need just laws and the gospel which creates just people. So this view that you have to have either theonomy or drag queen story hour is just a fallacy. You need the gospel above all. Now, you can still have the gospel and have a just law or just laws that uh, honor God. And while, you know, I don't take I don't take on the term Christian nationalists or theonomy, of course I want a Christian nation. Of course I want our nation to submit to God. Of course I want that. But I know that's not the law that will create this. Now, again, not every theonomist make that argument, but those who say you must have either theonomy or dragging story hour, they are making the argument that it is the laws themselves that protect society from rampant sin. And that's not true. It is only the gospel that will do that. It is only the gospel changing hearts, therefore changing lives, changing families, changing communities, changing nations and laws that will create that. Yeah, Stephen Wolf just popped on. Uh, he says he's not post-mill or theonomist or kinist. We appreciate the clarity. Huh. Um, so uh, we were correct about not being a theonomist. Uh, so appreciate. Say, I'm surprised. I thought I heard that he was. A, I thought I read that he was a post-mill, but okay, I'm. I stand, I stand corrected on that. Yeah. He, oh, well, he still has to. He still has to convince me that he's not a soft kinist. Um, but I appreciate that. Uh, I don't know why I thought he was a post mill. So I'm glad that he clarified that. Yeah. Um, I think that what's, I think where we have broad agreement though, with those who would call themselves theonomists or Christian nationalists. And I agree with you. I'm cautious to use the terminology. Um, I think in the case of, of Christian nationalism, it's and you make this point in your blog and, and I could be persuaded otherwise, but it's still such a new term. I think there's a lot of work still to be done. I appreciate that there are competing models, as I said earlier. And I think that there has to be a lot more conversation about these issues of what the relationship is and, and how we as Christians will think about the relationship between the state and our faith. But um, I, I think that this is an important conversation and not the end of the discussion, but we would have broad agreement I, there was a lot that I agreed with in Wilson's book in, in broad principles of, you know, the state cannot be the highest authority or that, you know, laws, there is some morality that is going to be embedded in the laws and there has to be a standard. I, I think that I have broad agreement with him on, on that point. Um, yeah. And if I know. can add one more, th one more thing yeah. too. One of the greatest books I've ever read um, is from a, a, a friend of mine. I wanted to call him a friend. His name is Joe Boot, um, who's actually, I think actually going to be speaking at the same conference with uh, with Stephen Wolf. I think, uh, at Joe Weeben's church, I think. I could be wrong about that. Um, but it's, he wrote a book called The Mission of God. Um, it's one of the greatest books because of just the, the, yeah. the undertaking. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but uh, if people want to understand theonomy or general equity, 
Uh, that's I know Doug Wilson would agree with this too. It's one of the greatest books you can read to understand it. That was a massive book. I've not read everything just yet. It's a I've had that book for like four years, I think, and it's it's a huge undertaking to to read it. But that book would give people great insight on on theonomy. I agree. It's a, it, it, there's a lot in that book that I, I find helpful, persuasive, um, thought provoking. And, um, you know, these are, these are, there has to be room though, in the conversation for people to learn. There has to be room for people to have public conversations and to say, here's something I'm thinking about. Here's something I'm looking into. Here's something I'm trying to understand. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I have been so hesitant about having a public conversation about this, because even the attempt to do it, people are going to come on and say, no, you're not, you're not doing it right. You're not doing the conversation right. And it's like, well, we're trying, we're, we're trying to, to be fair. We're trying to be accurate. So, but I think yeah. that people are always going to say what they want to say, like, can be like overly stirred. Um, it, it, it is true. Like we have to, I, I appreciate a competition of ideas, but do those ideas align biblically? So we can have, mm-hmm. as, we can throw all the ideas up in the air. The one that sticks to scripture is the idea that we have to run with. And if your idea doesn't stick with scripture, then whether it's on the left or the right, those ideas should be challenged. And mm-hmm. they should be challenged mm-hmm. against the gospel. And yep. so when we think of, you know, words like Christian nationalism or when we think of anti-racist, how do these ideas align against the gospel? Do they stick with the gospel? And if they do, cool, let's run with it. But if it doesn't, they should be critiqued. And we should not, as Christians, be using those ideas as our basis for who we are as people mm-hmm. or as a people. Yeah. Exactly. I I am always wary of people who immediately shut down people who want to address any kind of ideology, right? That, that, be, that that's a big problem, right? If you are someone who immediately rejects um, debates or talks about critical race theory, well, no, you, you need to wrestle with these things. We need to be able to reason together. We need to, be able to understand what is critical race theory. And as we understand it, we can have a biblical, we can have a greater understanding as to how to approach it biblically. Same thing with Christian nationalism, right? If we do not do that, then then what are we, then what's the point? Do we just demand that others just be quiet and embrace it? Absolutely not, right? And like I said, too, there's so many different kinds of Christian nationalists. And it's, I, it seems to me that things will, I know things will look different a year from now in terms of how the conversation will be framed, right? Not necessarily in a bad way or a good way. I don't know. I just know that since it's a very new term being applied by so many Christians, and I'm sure many people didn't even realize that you have, you know, these, uh, you know, NAR types, right? Or kinists, or that even the idea that every Christian or every evangelical is a so-called Christian nationalist, right? There are some people who are still learning all these terms. And I think at some point, this for some people, I think it's a fad in terms of using the term. And for some people, it would be more long lasting. And I think then through either Stephen Wolf's book or through Doug Wilson's Mere Christendom or all these other kinds of so-called Christian nationalists, as as the, as the term becomes more and more, um, um, as, as the years go by or the months go by, I think then things can get more concrete. 
But on, but for now, it is absolutely essential that we talk about these issues so we can understand, well, where are we going with all these different definitions or terms within Christian nationalism? I think the struggle for one of the struggles I've had with this issue as is I've thought about it the last couple of years and done th literally thousands of pages of reading related to political theory and all of this, which I still don't claim to be any expert on. But it doesn't seem to me that when we look at the new covenant, which is the covenant that we're in as Christians, has any one specific kind of political framework that it's pushing. And the the gospel focus, which I want to be fair to Doug Wilson, he says, you know, the gospel must be first. And, and I would agree with him on that point. In some countries, some nations, I think the gospel has a lot more work to do to win more hearts before that's going to be transitioned into public policy. Um, and again, I think Wilson's view of it is a multi-generational, long-term strategy. But what we don't want to fall into is just as on the, the more progressive side of things where they think that, you know, all sin is, is embedded in systems and structures. So we just need to break down systems and structures to cure sin. I don't want to fall in the ditch on the other side of the road to think that the cure for sin is building certain systems and structures as long as they're shaped by Christian principles. Mm -hmm. They can help to restrain evil, maybe, according to God's standards, and in some cases encourage behavior that's more consistent with Scripture. But ultimately, the issue is the gospel and the Holy Spirit really have to transform hearts first. Yeah, because in the end, to me, it would seem like it would be a action by coercion, which I feel like our laws do coerce, you know, certain behaviors, but it will never bring you to faith. Coercion yeah. doesn't, you know, lead you to true faith in Jesus. And I think that's the bigger, the bigger conversation. I will say that Stephen, if you are still watching, I would love to have a conversation with you. I'll put my email address in the chat because I have a lot of questions. Yeah. And, and just to, um, just, just to clarify, I think the vast majority of, or probably all Christian nationalists or theonomists would agree that it is the gospel that changes lives, right? It is not necessarily the law. But as you've said, that it that it would restrain evil. And But, but with that being said, I think um, too often, a lot of Christian nationalists, when again, as the example you brought up earlier, right, which is that when they say things like, well, it is Christian nationalism or drag queen story hour, well, then, then the implication is it is Christian nationalism that will save society instead of the gospel itself. Because as I mentioned earlier, even within Christian nationalism, or you know, you can still have that happen because of people's hearts being wicked, right? Um, but then in his book, you know, Stephen Wolf mentions how cultural Christianity, even if people are not being sincere in in their faith in God, it is still better than, you know, an unbelieving society or a so-called post-Christian society, which I agree with, right? He got some flack for that, but I'm like, well, I don't want cultural Christianity. I want general, you know, I want sincere, you know, Christ Christians in America or around the world. However, even then, in terms of not so much people's souls, but just for society, you know, a cultural Christianity is still better 
than a post-Christian society in terms of just, again, society and not so much for individual souls, right? Because it does restrain evil. So yeah, so most theonomists or Christian nationalists would say that it is the gospel that um, that saves, but that um, society is maintained, that is, it's more orderly. It is, it is yeah. better generally when it is um, the gospel being preached and just laws maintaining um, the, the culture. You know, I think that this is, it's such a vast and broad conversation. And, and one, one of the things that's clear to me is that getting to clarity on Christian nationalism is going to definitely take more than one conversation. I am definitely here for it though, because I, I think much like in 2020, a lot of, it, it took a lot of conversations to help bring people along to understand, hey, what is CRT or what is um, critical theory or, you know, what is anti-racism and should you actually participate in anti-racism? What are the pieces of, you know, some of these ideologies that we can as Christians affirm and say, you know, we, we agree with this, not because we uphold this framework, but because, you know, it has overlapped with the historic Christian worldview. They're actually borrowing from our worldview. Now, Christian nationalists, I would say are our brothers and sisters where I don't know if I could say that about every person upholding things like critical theory or Christian or um, critical race theory or things like that. And so I think it's, it's an important goal, even though it will take several, you know, conversations like it did in 2020 to understand fully what are people talking about and how do we have a, a wise conversation around this? And then how do we walk forward? Do we, do we all walk forward under this banner of Christian nationalism? Do we walk forward and saying, you know what, they they have some good points, but, you know, this broad tent is really too new to actually attach ourselves to. Maybe we need to hold on and, you know, have a wait and see approach and see, you know, what comes out of this. I think that sometimes waiting and seeing can actually be the most wise approach. Yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. I'm in the learn and wait and see and grow and pray and try again and talk and I'm this is the space I've been in for the last two years and again I've been I'm very transparent I've been extremely hesitant about having this conversation in public because people don't seem rational they they don't seem reasonable when we talk about it so I appreciate Sam that you came on and you were willing to even have the public conversation with us and get us a little further down the road yeah, if I could just say this, uh, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I am very willing to have the conversation, not that primarily because of how difficult this issue has become. That's why I'm willing to have it because whenever there is so much confusion and and just at the, just sin in terms of people sinning against each other, right, and attacks and demands and all these things, it makes me want to address it. Um, be, not necessarily to say, because here's the thing, I want to I address, I think in my article, I mentioned, I didn't say that I even necessarily reject Christian nationalism. I said, why didn't, I don't call myself a Christian nationalist because it's just, there's so many broad, it, it's so broad, all these different versions of it. I know that I don't agree with Stephen Wolf's version of, of Christian nationalism. I know that, but then there are even some who admire the book, who say that, well, they don't agree with everything either, right? It's, as you guys have said, there is, 
it seems like there's still people who are wrestling with what does it really mean to have a Christian nation? To me, the the people who are most consistent are the theonomists, right? Because this is now, that's because theonomy is not new. It's been around for decades, or they would say for, you know, centuries or thousands of years, right? So, um, but as, you know, a good friend of ours, Daryl said, he, the reason why he does not address this issue at all is because, well, he can't say he's against it or for it because there still isn't a clear definition of what it is. So for me, all I can say is, well, here's why I'm not using that term, because I don't think it's helpful in my opinion. And then also, I, I, there are groups that I'm concerned about. I don't want to be I, I don't want to be allied with them. I'm not going to call myself a Christian nationalist because there are people who I think are very dangerous, whether it's the kinists or the NAR types who are using that term. And and they're growing in number and I'm concerned about that. Right. So anyway, that's why this issue is interesting in so many ways. Uh, but I just want people to be very careful and wanting to be quick to attack others. Right. If someone, if you think someone is not understanding Christian nationalism well, um, well, well, just explain to them what you think it is. And then let's, let's go with that. And also, you know, I also want to be very careful in how I define it as well. I also want to make sure that I'm doing my research to be very clear. But when people immediately shut down the conversation about it, it reminds us all of what happened a few years ago or what is still happening right now with uh, critical race theory. Well, Sam, this has been great. And thank you for doing this uh, with us. We appreciate it staying up late and uh we're we're watching every day for announcements about baby to come soon (laughs) it'll be it'll be yeah i I hope i've been i've been uh i've been uh i can't use a word i've it's been the baby's not here yet and yeah i'm so tired so i hope i've been clear (laughs) with what i've been saying um but yeah we're very excited we're just a couple of weeks away from the baby being here and uh yeah we yeah we're very excited so yeah hopefully you'll get the news uh, very soon the last time you were on, you weren't a husband or a father. And now look at yes. you. Yes. Now I look know. at you. And You're doing big I things. Know. I <laughs> God is doing big things. Um, in just about a year and a half, so much has changed. And I praise God for that. He's been That's so awesome. good to us. Well, congratulations. Mm-hmm. We are extremely happy for you. Very. Thank you. Thank All you. right. I know it is late yes. on the East Coast. So thank you so much for hanging out with us. Please Thanks, tell brother. your lovely bride we said hello. Yes. Take care. We'll do. We'll see. All right. Bye. 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 Oh boy, that was that was rough for me. Well, that was rough. It 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 gets rough, and I know when people are strong, it sometimes it's. No, I just don't like going public. Here's here's where the space I'm in. I don't like having a public conversation on something that I feel like I haven't completely decided yet. Mm -hmm. And and. After reading thousands of pages, I really thought I would have something more nailed down. Mm-hmm. And I've delayed with you for over a year to to try to have this conversation because I'm like, well, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still researching it. I'm still trying to understand. And I'm not really clear about what this person says. And I'm following all these people on Twitter and I'm trying to make sense of it. And I still feel like I'm very much like I, I don't know how to put my own position into words yet. And I don't have a framework for how to think about it or how to teach others about it. So it's very uncomfortable for me to get on here and have a public conversation and say, here's where I land. Here's my big, my big conclusion. I'm like, I'm not there yet. And so 
That's okay. But I know you wanted to do this. So we, I did. And, and, and <laughs> I, here's the thing. Here's how, why I wanted to do it. I wanted to have a, a conversation about this, even if it was a sloppy conversation, because this is a conversation that is in the evangelical space. It's a conversation that is being had broadly in regards to race. And it is, in my personal opinion, an answer to 2020's BLM situation. Does that mean that Theonomous only came around in 2020? No, no. I've been but following I do, Wilson for 30 years. I think that so. this this level I'm of my earrings off. Go ahead. This this <laughs> level of conversation came about as a response to BLM. Now, we don't we don't participate in either camp. Like I said, we we need to have biblical conversation and I can appreciate I can appreciate BLM and and critical race theory and wanting to solve what they saw as being a problem in regards to race and racism. Was that correct? No, it wasn't. We are we are not living in the you know 1800s. We're not living in 1964. Like we are living in 2023, where we have a very different racial makeup and component in the United States. When I think about race, justice, and unity from the position of the Christian nationalist, my immediate question is: Is is this going to build unity according to the scriptures? Does this treat us as humans, as brothers and sisters, as the scriptures? tell us that we are. And so we can have these conversations and hopefully you can see that you too sitting on the other side of the screen can be in your own process of like, what do I think about this? Should I read Stephen Wolf's book? Should I read Doug Wilson's book? Are there other people in this space that I may not have heard of? Can I do some research on it? You're not going to have everything all together all at once in one day. Neither are we. We just happen to help guide a conversation with it and we do it from this position. That's okay. But what we can't do is sit back in our little shelters and act like, well, the conversation's happening and I'm not going to say nothing. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing This ain't that. And this ain't 2020. We are going to have conversations. We're going to put conversations out there and people will disagree and that's okay. And people will agree and that's okay. Cause I don't care if you agree or disagree with me. What is your stance and how are you getting there based on scripture? And so that's my position. Yeah. And then we're still growing and there might be things that we change our minds about or understand better. I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, check out uh, Uncle Jeff saying to check out Walter Kaiser. I did a lot of work on Walter Kaiser's books when I was in seminary. I'm very familiar with his helpful work. I've met him a couple of times. I even have a picture with him from ETS from a few years ago. Um Future says, yeah, I can't do 2020 all over got time. This ain't that. This is not that year. We cannot do that again. It would be better to have conversations and put it out there than to have 80,000 billion trillion people talking about, I never saw that coming. That was a, all that, of 2020. That, yeah, that was 2020 was, I didn't see that coming. That hit me out of nowhere. The devil is a whole lie. We ain't doing that this year. We ain't doing that. All right. Anyway, you guys. Thank we you. appreciate you guys. We are so grateful that you are walking this road with us, that you are in messy conversations with us. We this appreciate was you. And that's okay. That and is Stephen okay. Wolf, if you're watching, Monique wants to. Mo, uh, yes, yeah, Mo's Wolf. got questions. I do. I have, I have a ton she of questions. She put her email in the chat. I did. I did it because if we're going to have a competition of ideas, then that's okay. You can, we can offer pushback. We can rough it out. We can have that iron sharpens iron thing. Like we can have some questions and conversations. Yeah. People ask me questions when I said I didn't, you know, affirm critical race theory anymore. Just conversation. 
All right, guys. All right, friends. Go follow Sam over at slowtoride.com. Follow his blog. He has a lot of great content there. He has also another um, a whole article related to kinism, uh, which was a subtopic for tonight's discussion. And uh, we'll put those links in the show notes for you. We will be back next week. We're going to be hitting hard on the topic of human trafficking in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the movie Sound of Freedom and have seen that out there. It's taken us a while to vet and find the right voices to come bring you some content related to human trafficking. Next week will be a live show. Then we're going to have a pre-recorded show. We recorded that earlier today. It was an amazing, great interview. So be watching for some content related to human trafficking in the coming weeks as a focus uh, for October. And with that, I think we're done. All right. I guess that's it. I'm I don't know. comments. What oh, sorry. I didn't Stephen Wolf commented. Yes, Stephen, I'm going to, I will hit you in the DMs on Twitter. I would love to have a conversation. I think that, hey, as brothers and sisters, we can definitely have some, some conversation. And I would love to. All right, with that, we will talk to you soon. See you next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingsshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week. Thank you.